Welcome to Fintech at Haas, a podcast featuring employees, founders, investors, and the wider Haas fintech community sharing their perspectives. I'm your host, Michael Jenkins. Joining me on the show today is Viram Shah, a Berkeley Haas MBA from the class of 2019 and the co-founder of Vested. Vested is an investment advisor that allows Indian investors to invest in US stocks. Viram, thank you very much for joining me today on the Fintech at Haas podcast. It's great to have you here. Thanks a lot for having me. Uh, it's always great to be back to anything related to Haas. Awesome. Before we get into Vested, it'd be just great to hear more about your background before business school. Yeah. So in terms of my background, uh, I, I grew up in India, grew up in Mumbai and um, did my engineering here. So spent some time in, uh, in the technology field and then um, post-engineering found my way into investment banking. So I always knew I, I wanted to do something entrepreneurial and um, do something in the technology space. Uh, however, tried a couple of startups in during during um, undergrad, but did not really work out. Then got the opportunity to cover um, technology companies, uh, media and telecom companies at JP Morgan uh, in Mumbai and Hong Kong. So took that up. And um, after about three years there, got the opportunity to move to the Valley uh, via Haas. And that was one of my biggest reasons because I kind of knew one of the primary goals for me, at least in the long term, if not short term, uh, was to, to get into uh, entrepreneurships and startups. It just happened to uh, work out while I was there. So got the opportunity to move to Haas and that's where we started Vested. And was your decision to choose Haas because of the, the strong entrepreneurial courses and, and things on offer there? What were the reasons you, you chose Haas? Yeah, very much, actually. I, I primarily shortlisted um, courses based on how strong the, the general management curriculum was uh, versus specialization, say, in marketing or finance. And then location-wise, how, how close they are to, to entrepreneurship-related hubs. So that ended up with a just a very small list of schools and luckily uh, got into one of them. So I was super, super happy. Awesome. And wh- where do you think your interest in being an entrepreneur really came from? I think so. It comes definitely from our family. So I come from a a family where everybody is literally doing entrepreneurship. I was the first person in in our family to actually ever take up a job. And nobody really had heard about kind of um, going and working for another company. Everybody had always just started their own companies. And so I pretty much knew that's something I wanted to do. I grew up kind of going to um, going to my father's office, um, seeing how he used to run the business. And I was super excited by just the value you can create out of entrepreneurship, just the impact that you can have. And so I knew I wanted to do that. The existing family business is, is sort of in an old economy world. It's in the steel manufacturing space. And so again, while working there, I realized that uh, that's something that doesn't excite me. Technology excites me. And, 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 and so then that's when I realized that I want to do something in the technology world and in entrepreneurship and kind of all of the decisions that I took leading to Vested were trying to reach that end goal. I think given you wanted to do something in tech and entrepreneurship, you know, there's, there's no better place than, than Haas. It's very well located. And that was kind of one of my motivations for going as well. What are some of your fondest memories of Haas and things that you remember, you know, after graduating? I know we, we talked a little bit earlier about kind of negotiations classes, but what, what other things do you really remember? A lot of things. I mean, it's uh, it was such a, such an enriching experience being there and, and uh, kind of getting the opportunity to, to study with all of these amazing people. I think that was one of the major, major highlights for me. Uh, just specific kind of memories that that have stuck with me. One is 
when we started off in the first semester, actually, uh, we had these uh, folks who were super interested in entrepreneurship, and we would do these kind of um, roundtable, just discussions, brainstorms uh, around ideas that people had, and and kind of bounce it off of each other and and see. Uh, if there's somebody interested in working on those ideas. So kind of a way to find somebody who, who you might want to found a startup with or just get validation on your idea. And uh, and that's actually when when I met Darwin. So Darwin's one of my co-founders. He uh, is also was also a classmate. And and so he was also attending these sessions. And and um, we come from very different backgrounds uh, in terms of our, our previous life. But then the common goal of just wanting to start something uh, and, and meeting at these sessions was what got us going. And then since then, I mean, we just kept on, on, on brainstorming ideas. We actually started two or three businesses before eventually uh, landing on Vested. So the first idea for us was to work in the mobility space. I, I always say that at Haas, my, my first love was mobility. Uh, the entire first year I was obsessed with it, trying to figure out uh, what to do in that space. And um, we actually wanted to do a, a scooter sharing business. And uh, of course, now you see how they're doing, but uh, that didn't, didn't really take off. I actually wanted to do it in India. Uh, so it was just not physically possible to be in the US and start an operationally heavy business in, in India. Uh, then we we tried something in the analytics space where, where we wanted to do an accent elimination for a lot of uh, people who come people who come from different countries face issues with with accents and understanding those accents especially at call centers in in philippines in india uh, that again uh, the, the the day we started doing it one week later google launched google voice and uh, and we were like no <laughs> we don't have that data set there's no way we'll be able to build an efficient uh, product out of this and then eventually uh, vested came about it so so that's on the the entrepreneurship side of things of course, um, in, in in terms of the other experiences at uh, at Haas, um, classes were amazing. So one of the highlights, of course, for me was entrepreneurship, uh, given that I, I really wanted to do that. And then beyond that, just I mean, Haas boats, Haas Vegas, uh, those times just getting to meet people, I think those were uh, some amazing experiences. And look back, a bunch of uh, of really good friends were now in different parts of the world, but but uh, we keep in touch. I remember my houseboats trip last year very, very fondly. It was probably one of the highlights of my first year. And I definitely echo your thoughts on trying to find entrepreneurs and other people who are interested in the space to even just sometimes sit around and, and talk about your ideas and to see what other people think and hopefully try and find a co-founder. I think that's Definitely one of the reasons why some entrepreneurs go to business school is to try and find someone else with the same passion that they have for, for this idea. And one of the programs I'm involved in on campus is STEP, which is a very early stage accelerator program, which helps someone take, a, you know, just an idea to come up with an MVP, work on pitch materials and go through like an eight week process. And I think that type of program is really important for helping entrepreneurs develop yeah, definitely. I mean, uh, a lot of we we sort of talk about it. Um, a lot of the birth of Vested we owe to owe to Berkeley and Haas. Uh, there were multiple resources that that um, that helped us helped us get to where we were at, or just to get that initial initial push. Uh, for example, we were part of launch, so that was something that helped us with some guidance as well as then the initial uh, money because uh, we ended up winning some money out of that. Also. We got introduced to our first set of investors all through classmates. I don't know how we would have ever gotten in and kind of spent that time networking and finding investors. Instead, just classmates were like, hey, you guys are working on this. I know this person. Why don't you talk to them? And literally, we raised our first 200,000 um, just through connections at, 
via classmates. And then of course the, the, the classes that were there just helping work on it and make progress day after day. That's the power of the, the MBA is the network that you, you develop while you're there and it can go on to help you, not just while you're at school, but in your life after. For sure. Yeah, definitely. I mean, uh, even now, if we want any kind of connections, I think that that network is, uh, has been super helpful. And, and now as people are more spread out in different parts of the world, uh, whereas versus during the MBA, they were all there. But even after they're spread out, I think that helps with connections across the world. Moving on to Vested, tell me about the company. What does it do and what, what's the key problem that you're solving? Yeah, so so at Vested, we're basically a, a cross-border wealth platform. What we're trying to do and then the problem that you're trying to solve is that people in Asia and the Middle East are becoming wealthier. So there's this growing middle class that's up and coming. And this middle class wants to be able to diversify away from the local wealth. So this could be either to just invest into global public companies. So you want to invest into Amazon, you want to invest into Facebook, even, even though you're based in India, Indonesia, etc., or you want to be able to diversify away from a depreciating local currency, right? So for example, in India, the local currency depreciates about three to 4% every year. So even though your wealth is actually increasing uh, on a global scale, your wealth is not that relevant because it's depreciated. These individuals are very aspirational. So just like me, uh, I, I would be an archetype. So I, I, they go abroad to study, uh, travel abroad frequently, want to live abroad, but then their wealth is all locally concentrated. They don't have any kind of globally relevant wealth. So, that's where we are coming in, where what we want to do is, is build a, a US dollar store of value. That US dollar store of value, you should be able to use on one hand to invest. So you should be able to invest into public markets uh, over time, let's say private markets, um, fractional real estate is something that's interesting. Crypto is interesting. Uh, or on the other hand, you should be able to spend those dollars. So you should be able to spend them when you're traveling, when you're studying abroad, either sending your kids abroad or living abroad. So, so that's kind of the, the cross-border ecosystem we're building. And, uh, and the first first step that we've taken is a, is a focused approach where we are targeting the Indian citizens market and offering them U.S. public equities to start building this U.S. dollar wealth. And is there no other platform for Indian investors that, that does this? Are you the guys the first to give access to stocks or are you making it more accessible? Before we existed, there really wasn't any solution for you to invest into the, the U.S. markets. There was, of course, interactive brokers was one way you could do it. But it's just a very broken journey. Nothing was localized. There was no easy way that somebody could get started. And so really what we're doing is lowering those barriers to entry to invest into the U.S. markets. And so what we're doing is say you can onboard, open up an, a brokerage account online in an easy manner, something you could never do earlier. What you can do is then now transfer funds through your local bank account by, by, by our partnerships with the bank so that you can move money in an easy manner. And then... You don't really need to face those financial barriers where earlier you would have to pay ridiculous amounts of commission. Um, you have to buy those full shares. So like Amazon's $3,000. I can't really afford it. How do I invest in it? Uh, or you don't need to have minimum deposits, right? So uh, we've made it commission-free, fractional, uh, very easy for somebody to get started in an easy manner. So the end-to-end -end solution, uh, that was something that was not really available before we existed. And where did the idea from Vested come from? You mentioned earlier you had a few different ideas and was it your experience studying in the US and wanting to invest in some of these you know, big names? The idea for me, at least a seed was planted during my JP Morgan days. So uh, I was in India covering all of these global companies. So I, was, I was covering um, Asia tech companies and, and really wanted to invest in them. I understood their business pretty well. 
but when I tried to go invest in it, I, I went asked my broker, hey, can I invest into, into these companies? And he literally laughed at me. He was like, there's no easy way for you to do that. Uh, give it up, just invest in the local markets. And so that was a seed that had, that had been planted in my head. It kind of felt unfair that uh, you don't have access to a lot of these companies which you're actually using, right? So a lot of consumers of those companies in the, the country, but they don't really, uh, they can't really take part in the wealth creation journey. So that had stuck. And then um, in the summer of 2018, that's when uh, kind of Darwin and I were, were brainstorming and we were just looking at our previous backgrounds and thinking what were the pain points that we had faced? What was it that we would have wanted to solve? And, and so then this was something that came up. Actually, there's a funny um, funny story. I, I mentioned this this um, in passing, just I mentioned uh, this idea to him. I was like, hey, why don't we allow Indians to invest in the US markets? They're very familiar with it. Uh, I, this was a pain point I had felt. And, and, and just in passing, he too was like, yeah, that's a good idea. And then the summer came and we both didn't have anything to do. And so we were desperately looking for internships and he found his internship. I found mine like late in May. And uh, and, and then we, we went, went, both went on our own paths during the summer internship. And and then just one random day during the internship, we, we went, this is a very clear memory. We went to watch um, Ant-Man and then uh, at the theater in Berkeley nearby. And then on the way back, um, he was driving us back and, and just randomly, he was like, hey, what happened to that idea you were talking about the other day, which allowed investors in India to invest in the US stock market? And uh, I was like, yeah, oh shit, I completely forgot about that idea. I think it still has legs. And so then I went back home, spent five hours digging into why it currently isn't something that people want to do. And, and then that's how our journey really kicked off. How did the team come together? So you, you met your co-founder at Haas. Who else is in the team and what roles do they play? Yeah, so now we're a team of 23 people, actually. It's four of us who are co-founders, so the journey began. Uh, Darwin and I, we, we started it. Then uh, a few weeks later, Eric, who was uh, Darwin's roommate, actually, and comes from a product background, he mentioned that he would be interested. So he, he spent a ton of time at, at startups, and so he mentioned he would be interested uh, in doing something like this. He originally, his family originally comes from Hong Kong. And so he had some kind of um, ties to how, how financial access is, is very limited outside of the U.S. And, and so that brought him on board. And then now, uh, about a year later or so, we added our fourth co-founder, Ying. Uh, she's a longtime friend of Darwin's, and, and uh, she joined us as our CTO. I think that was a big, big hole that we needed to plug. Uh, because even though we all kind of have uh, technical backgrounds, we didn't really code hands-on. So that was one thing that we wanted to improve. And overall, now we're a team of 23, uh, largely based in India. And uh, the co-founders, we keep traveling back back and forth between the US and, and, and India. What's the progress been of Vested to date? And how has COVID impacted what you guys have been doing? I know Robinhood has seen a vast increase in the amount of retail trading that's been going on. I wonder if you guys have seen similar positive tailwinds from, from COVID. Yeah, I mean, uh, definitely COVID has, has sort of acted as a catalyst for us uh, in terms of adoption. Uh, the progress has has kind of um, steadily been growing. So so for the first six months we spent on just doing customer research, getting our SEC license. Then we started developing our product, launched it in private beta in March of last year, and then in uh, public beta by July of last year. And then we launched our app in October. So it's almost been about 10 months since the product's been full-fledged live in the market. The first few months was essentially the trust uh, barrier that we faced because we were a no-name brand starting a new product, which requires people to send money abroad and start investing. They just People just didn't trust us. 
And so we spent a lot of time building that trust. And now we're kind of seeing the, the, the fruits of that pay off, especially during COVID, people have had more time to kind of research on new asset classes, which is the US markets for somebody who's based outside of the US. Also, they have had time to open up brokerage accounts and kind of get started with something they might have been procrastinating during their daily schedule. So uh, that's been good. Now we're at about more than 10 million in terms of AUM. It's been growing at about 40% month on month. Uh, we're in the process of launching a few of our B2B partnerships over the next couple of weeks. So exciting times coming up for us. Sounds like you guys have had a lot of success in a, a short amount of time. Would you say the AUM is the key KPI that you measure success or is it number of customers, trading volume? What kind of things do you, do you look at to measure your success? Yeah, we, we sort of have these two North Star metrics and uh, those are the ones that we track rigorously. Uh, one is net deposits, not really AUM. AUM is sort of market dependent. So we track um, net deposits, which is deposits net of withdrawals to, to ensure that we, we see essentially how many people are putting money into their accounts. The reason behind it is, so this is a very new um, new behavior for a lot of individuals outside of the US, right? Transferring money into the, the US, remitting money essentially, and then investing is a very new behavior. So we want to see how many people are doing that. So that's that's uh, one. And then the second is for us is um, registered accounts. Essentially, how many people are opening brokerage accounts with us and, and then um, how many are converting eventually into funded accounts. So. So largely net deposits and registered accounts are two that we looked at. And in terms of fundraising, I saw on PitchBook, you guys have raised just under a million dollars. You mentioned you got some fundraising from, from launch. How has the fundraising process been in general and who have been the kind of main funders to date? Is it angel investors? Yeah, in terms of the process, so the, the approach that we have taken is is kind of the the Paul Graham recommended way of doing it, which is high resolution funding. It's basically as you make progress, um, talk to investors, raise money, make progress, talk to investors. So that's how we've gone about it since January 2019 and, and, and up until now. It's all, all the money we've raised until now has been a large seed round. So we started off in January. We needed money to pay the broker to start off our business. And so we raised about 200000 then. And, and then we made some progress, raised another about 500000 or so in May and then another 500,000 in November. And now, in fact, we're in the process of closing about uh, one and a half million or so round from investors in uh, the US and India. I think in terms of finding investors, the initial connections from Berkeley were, were super helpful. Uh, then what happened, we got lucky in a sense where, uh, in fact, a lot of our early investors converted into angel investors. So, so since our, our product is kind of uh, appealing to a lot of these techies who want to invest into the US markets, they are also happen to be also angel investors. And so that's how we started getting uh, connections with investors in India uh, and, and raised from them. And uh, now it's a, it's a mix of, of investors from the US. So we're in fact part of a, a Techstars program right now. It's going on. Uh, it's, it's based in Denver. It's a partnership between Techstars and Western Union. And, and so through that, we've also gotten connects with investors. And then our existing investors are investing in the current round as well. That's awesome. It's, it sounds like the approach you were taking of raising some money to hit a specific milestone, hitting that milestone, then raising again. It's not an approach everyone does rather than just raising a chunk of money that might last you two years. But it seems like when you're starting off, that's the type of thing to be doing. It forces you to focus on execution and then you have traction to leverage into a next round because you've, you've hit that milestone. Yeah, exactly. Uh, the goal for us was to, all of us as a founding team are, are um, love execution and so we, we 
want to spend as less time fundraising as possible. However, this this kind of approach does take time to because you keep keep having to have interactions with investors. Uh, however, that has definitely helped us. Uh, over time, we can also, so what we do is we raise our valuation cap. So we, we've basically been raising using safe notes, the Y Combinator safe notes. And so uh, it helps us raise our valuation cap over time as well as we make progress. I think this strategy works this until you're like seed. Um, I think the next round that we do will, will have to be the, the more traditional round structure with the lead investor uh, and then investors who follow after that. What has been the biggest challenge to date? Has it been in the product space? Has it been hiring? Has it been fundraising? What, what's been holding you guys back and has been the most difficult thing you've had to overcome? Yeah, I think <laughs> there's a lot of challenges. The, the key challenge at any point keeps changing. Uh, I think initially for us, the, the key challenge was uh, building that trust and awareness. So if you look at what we're kind of trying to do, if you look at 100 investors that are based in India, uh, before we existed, about 99 of them had never invested in the U.S. markets. So for us, the, the key challenge was educating them that, uh, listen, this is this is something that is very legal. You can do it. Uh, also, we've simplified the process. This is how you do it. So, so we spent a ton of time doing that and ran a bunch of different experiments. Like, for example, for the longest time, um, we kind of took this took this out of the PayPal uh, book where we used to give everybody who would sign up on our platform about $5, just directly loaded into their account so that they could actually try out investing. So they could see, hey, this is how uh, investing into Amazon fractionally works. This is the trade confirmation that I get. This is the monthly statement that I get. So that's how we, we, we built, built trust with our user base by um, making them see the behavior and see the returns. And then they, they were like, okay, this, this is something that's legitimate. Uh, let me transfer some more money. And so now we stopped doing that, but that was one of the key challenges we faced early on. I think now um, at this point in time, we're in this phase where we're actually sort of transitioning from our B2C. So until now, we were largely B2C and directly to the retail investor. We're transitioning to a, a more of a B2B2C approach where um, after we launched, what happened was a lot of existing brokers, like existing fintechs uh, in the in the uh, existing uh, wealth management companies in India approached us for partnerships to, to offer US investing to their client base. And so over the last six months, we've been spending a lot of time uh, partnering with these huge brokers, their banks, uh, they already have about a million users each and uh, they want to launch with us. So now uh, next week, in fact, we have two of these launches coming up. And so the current challenge you're facing is ensuring that the product is live um, in, in proper place, tested before they go live. And then the next is after it goes live, the work doesn't end there. How do we activate their user base and get them invested in the US markets? I guess that B2B2C approach is a way to very quickly acquire a lot of customers. And you mentioned at the start you were giving each each registered user five dollars. I mean, I guess that's very important to do to, to build that trust, as, as you mentioned, right right from the start, but not really a scalable solution to customer acquisition. So was that the main kind of reason for moving towards a more B2B2C approach? Yeah, definitely spot on, right? So one was just speed of acquisition. Uh, the second was also um, kind of competitive threats. So now that people have seen that U.S. investing is something that that uh, works, that there is interest for it, a lot of people want to try and do it themselves. And so we rather want to offer our solution to existing players and make life e life easier for them rather than compete with a lot of them. Right. So that's the second key uh, reason why why we went down that route. And the third is 
is uh, again solving the trust issue. So if they, if we if you're partnering with a bank who who our users already trust and the bank trusts us, there's naturally um, the users trust us as well. So so that trust arbitrage is something that that we also want to capitalize on. That sounds like two very very good ways to solve you know probably two of the biggest challenges that, that you have as a brand new company in a space that does require a lot of trust. And I think that's something that fintechs in general find it hard right at the get-go is, is for people to trust this company they've never heard of and whilst you might have millennials uh, younger people who are a bit more open to trying these types of things i think the older generations definitely want a brand name that they've heard of that they know and that, that they trust so i think that that approach is definitely it sounds like a really great idea is there a referral mechanism to kind of increase the virality of the product? So as you mentioned, you know, a user might start investing, really like it, and they're probably going to tell their friends, family about it. Is there a way that they can refer users and get some kind of reward? Yeah, yeah. So we launched our referral program, uh, I think now almost uh, 10 months ago as well. And uh, it's a it's a C2C referral where if you bring on any other registered account or any other brokerage account, we, we credit $5 into um, both of the accounts. And I think that's a, that's still at phase one of what we want to do with referrals. Uh, but but there's definitely a lot of improvement that we can do in terms of getting that, that virality component going. I think what has worked for us uh, in terms of virality is, uh, is just a lot of content. So content, um, Essentially, on two uh, in terms of two two ways. One is our own blog, which about now about hundred thousand people read, and uh, and it's become quite popular in terms of just becoming that um, thought leader in U.S. investing. And the second content that we 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 focus on is is writing in in um, leading publications. So again, that trust issue uh, it solves helps solve that. But if you're writing in a in a publication that people trust, say for example the the Financial Times equivalent in India, right? And, and so if you're putting your thoughts on the U.S. market there, uh, the, 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 the way the articles are written is just about U.S. investing, nothing about Vested. But then automatically that trust starts building and, and um, a lot of people start coming on to Vested as a result of that. Yeah, I definitely agree. I, I think con- content plays a, a really big role in a lot of fintechs because the, the education required for users it can be quite high. And so by putting your voice out there, your thoughts, just talking about the, the industry, maybe you're not directly selling your product, but by association, you're developing your own authenticity that really just translate across to the business as well. Um, so, yeah, I think that's a really, really great approach. Exactly. Yeah. As we look to the future, what do you think is going to be the tipping point for Vesta to, you know, to really gain mass appeal? Is it leveraging partnerships and getting more partners on board? Yeah, so there's two major pieces to it. One is what you alluded to, which is on the distribution side, just getting access to our customer base that we want to target. The other piece is on the product side, um, there's still one piece that's that's missing in the journey and that's making the money movement easy. So uh, the current journey, you basically have to go through your bank to remit uh, money uh, into your US account. So you have to buy dollars and, and move those dollars into your US account. Now that process, because of regulations and also because something like this never existed, is that process is still not as efficient as we want it to be. And so we've been spending a lot of time working with the banks, trying to create a unique solution uh, to simplify that process. In fact, in that entire journey, we actually built a, a plan for ourselves to, to try and simplify it for our, our users. So um, 
the goal is to make that as easy as possible. And I think once that's there, uh, only then is is the the end to end kind of product ready where we want it to be, and then we can move on onto um, additional products. I guess it's having that that turnkey solution with very low friction for the for the user. Whereas if if they have to go through a number of different steps, it just creates additional barriers for them to use the product. It does, yeah. And 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 every time we talk to somebody who has opened an account and not funded the account, fifty percent of the times they say that it's this process that's a barrier. So very evidently, that's the biggest kind of um, unlock for our business. And then we the 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 thing with fintech is though you have to look into so many regulations, take into consideration so much so much compliance that building something new just takes time. Um, but once you do it, then that that uh, result can have exponential growth. And you mentioned you've been working obviously closely with with banks. How has it been getting into some of these very large organizations? They obviously have a very different approach sometimes than startups, which are very quick moving. Banks tend to be a, a lot slower and you know things take a lot longer. How has that process been? Oh, it's been painful. <laughs> so, so painful. We have, we've tried everything. We've literally crashed a bank's office to try and meet the person we wanted to meet. Um, to to try every different playbook to try and get them to move faster, but it's this huge giant that that just does not move as as fast as we want it to be. Uh, but it is at least there are some things which are helping, uh, some things which are helping, and some things we've learned as well. Like for example, one one way we've we've hacked it is actually we've raised money from um, angel groups. These angel groups are actually um, CXOs in different companies in India. And so they help us with these connections at banks right at the top. What we've realized is if you go top bottom, top to bottom is, is the only time it works. Uh, otherwise, it's just way too slow if you go bottom up. And, and this might be a thing in India. I don't know about different countries, but at least here our learning was the boss has to tell the, the manager or the product manager that this is something you want to work on. So, so uh, that's the approach that we've taken. We also learned in the process that a lot of these banks want to work with startups. Uh, and then they've set up these startup teams that actually just look at coordinating with startups. So we, we go through that angle as well. And then eventually what we try to do is basically push from at least four or five different angles where somebody's like, okay, I'm hearing about Vested from all of these X sources. They must be doing something good. And then we get to put forward our agenda and try to move things forward after that. You mentioned you want to solve this foreign exchange issue before you move on to future products. And you also mentioned you've had to build some infrastructure yourself like plaid what products do you see in the future for vested and is there a lot of infrastructure that's missing in india that you see yourselves potentially building out and white labeling for other companies yeah so uh, there's two pieces so one is in terms of just future products that that we want to build i think the next goal for us is um, now that we have sort of this 10 million that's lying in brokerage accounts we want to be able to allow people to access that 10 million in an easy manner rather than just having to withdraw it back into their India account. So that could be sort of a card-based product that, that you can use anywhere across the world um, and those dollars can be used, say, if you want to pay your fee in a university or if you're traveling abroad. So that's that's kind of what we're looking at. There will be sort of a, a bank account plus a card proposition uh, that, that would be the next step in terms of products. Uh, and then on the second part, uh, in terms of white labeling it, that's definitely something we're looking at because as we kind of build all of this, these unique things that didn't exist earlier, uh, it becomes valuable IP that we can essentially leverage and, and sell it out to different individuals. Like one example is 
we are currently in the process of building out our in-house KYC AML process, which includes a, a super complicated um, logic flow. And then you have to build a dashboard, uh, which is also something that we have to build in-house. But now if somebody else wants to do, do KYC in-house, they can basically leverage what we have built. So uh, it's, that's definitely something that's on our mind as we build all of these. You said you're raising some money now. What's that going to be used for? Is that to focus on product? Is it growth? What's going to be the, the use of those funds? Yeah, primarily right now, the bottleneck for us is is our team, actually. We're just, all of us spread super thin, um, have, have very little bandwidth to, to look at things beyond just the immediate execution. And so one of the key key goals for us is to um, onboard a few more people and, uh, and and expand our team. So that's one of the big big things that we focus on. The the other is um, product expansion. So we've we've kind of started looking into this this banking product, and uh, it'll be about six to eight months down the line. But you've got to start now, and so some of the the money will be used there as well. What's your general approach to hiring? How do you go about sourcing candidates? Is it from your network? Do you use recruiters? Is it online? Are you looking at people just based in India or will you be hiring anyone to be US-based? Yeah, that's, that's in fact, as we speak, something we are learning as to how to improve our hiring processes. Um, it's a big challenge right now uh, as well to, to figure that out and, and especially on the engineering front. Uh, until now, largely our team's been based in India and, and that's helped us on the cost front as well. But we're realizing that there are certain positions that it might be better to um, be open in terms of uh, in terms of location, either US or anywhere in the world, uh, essentially, like for example, content writing, um, we're just struggling to find good content writers. So uh, now we opened up saying that, hey, let's just it is going to be remote anyway, uh, even if it's more expensive, it's worth the the um, cost to to have a good content writer because it's taking a lot of our time uh, as we are writing a lot of it right now. So that's one. Um, and then in, in in terms of just other sources. Um, it, at least until now, all of it was kind of um, personal reach out. And now we're trying different kind of online um, channels to, to source candidates and then put them through our, our interview process. If you weren't working on Vested, what, what would you be doing? I always find it very interesting to see people's other plans and if, if they weren't working on what they're currently working on, what other, other things interest you? Uh, I would, I would, I think I would be a poker player. I really like poker, and and that's something that's super interesting. I, I but I'm relatively new to it. So in fact, I started it in Haas. Uh, one of our one of our classmates, uh, he used to play poker. Um, I think professionally, and and he he taught me the entire strategy behind it. And since then, I've been hooked. Uh, and and so that's something that I, I would have loved to to take up. Uh, if if not that, then I think just being in the entrepreneurship space is definitely something that I, that I would be doing, either at a super early stage company or or starting something in mobilities. It's funny you mentioned about poker. Maybe it's a harsh requirement. Every class has to have a professional player because there's one in our class as well. It's a very interesting game. It's amazing how a lot of the lessons actually get applied, especially to, to the startup world. I think that has completely blown my mind. Just to dig into that a little bit then, what, what, what has poker taught you about startups? Yeah, I mean, so one of the basic mindset shifts that I had in terms of playing poker, before when I used to play, I used to look at it just hand by hand, right? Um, whereas how you're supposed to look at it is just your earnings over your over the entire year. Sort of look at it from a long-term perspective rather than you got getting unlucky in one particular hand, right? And so that's, that's something that I applied directly to, to um, Western as well, where... 
one battle lost is not the end of the game but at the end of the month how much you've progressed is is essentially what you should be looking at maybe they should start teaching poker at, at yc and uh, other business schools i'm always interested to hear what other people in the fintech space that you follow you admire who might make good guests for the show whether that's entrepreneurs or investors anyone else who you feel is like a thought leader in, in the space who has interesting ideas yeah um let's see in the us uh, howard howard linson is is somebody who uh who have been following a lot and uh, he sort of was at stock with invested in robin hood rally road uh, does a podcast as well uh, this podcast been uh, it's been super interesting so i think he would be somebody who would be very interesting to to have awesome it's been really interesting talking and hearing about the journey of Vested and the approach you guys are taking. I feel like you're, you're building a really great product. I was just so surprised that there wasn't more competition in the space. It, it sounds like an obvious gap. As you mentioned, a lot of Indian investors are invested locally, but don't have the opportunity to invest in some of these big global brands. I think you guys have, have found a very good niche. I think you're, the approach you're taking is, is really fantastic. And it's been great hearing about your journey. Thanks a lot for, for having me here. It was a pleasure. Uh, and, and thanks for, for inviting me as well. You're welcome. Thanks very much for your time, Viran.